Welcome to Sales Boost, the Mercury International Podcast. Each episode presents one topic, one expert, taking a fresh perspective on the issues that are changing the face of modern sales. So welcome to Mercury Sales Boost, the Mercury International Podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Dave Custin, the Global Account Director at Mercury International, and we're going to be looking at the changing role of the salesperson over a, a series of podcasts. So let's dive straight in. Hello, Dave. Hi, Charlie. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. Are we finding you in London or Lincoln today? I'm in Lincoln, a very unknown part of the UK on the east side, about uh, 200 kilometers north of London. So uh, very rural. You're, you're isolating then? You're, yes. you're hiding in your bunker? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes. Literally at the moment. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. I think we'll just start by if you could introduce yourself and just give us a little bit of a background and, and biography of your career, both with Mercury and, and in general, and how you've got to your, your current role. That would be great. Sure. I started in B2B sales in 1980, actually. I could argue I've been in sales longer because I was once newspaper boy of the year, winning the most new customers in my in my office. And I worked through to salesperson, senior salesperson, up to key account management. Then I actually left frontline sales for a number of years, essentially into technical training, then into management training, and then came across Mercury International when we did a, a global best practice survey. And we found the people producing the best results in the world were using some of the Mercury methodology. So... As they say in the advert, I, I, I thought it was so good, I, I eventually didn't buy the company, but I joined the company. Since that time, I've worked in pretty diverse industries. So everything from professional services, healthcare, quite a lot in healthcare, human healthcare, as well as animal healthcare, technology companies, engineering companies, IT, and, and also software. So And I've loved that spectrum of working with different uh, organizations working in different markets has a real, been a real challenge for me, but also enabled me to bring some ideas from some sectors into others, which I think is uh, incredibly useful. No, absolutely. And I think yeah, it's interesting to have that cross-reference of different different careers when you're having a high-level view of, particularly of the topic we're, we're looking at today, which is okay. not just one industry, but a whole a whole role. So over your time, not just with Mercury, but in, in general. The role of the salesperson, I think we're all aware that it has changed and, and that that change has perhaps accelerated recently given, given recent events. But what are the biggest changes that you've seen over the course of your career in that role? My goodness, I guess in a word, it all comes back to communication. If I wanted to write a letter to my customer back in the 80s, I had to write it literally with a biro or a pen send it off to the office they would type it up they'd send it back to me for approval and then i would then approve it send it back to the office they'd then post it to the customer so it took about a week to send a letter to a customer these days of course that sounds absolutely ridiculous that that we had to do that but it is that speed of communication that ability to communicate with customers and internally as well that has accelerated massively. I think also the amount of information a customer has about you and your organization, you know, if we think about 
yourself. They looked on LinkedIn, maybe Facebook, whatever, before they even start to talk to you. And if you think about your products and services, they certainly would explore exactly what your company is about, where you're going, how financially stable maybe you are, et cetera, et cetera, even before they they interact with any human being. Yeah, it's interesting about the speed of communication because obviously, yeah, over the last couple of years, we've, we've now got used to this sort of virtual way of communicating. Do you think we've lost anything by, I mean, obviously you were talking about the, the days of, you know, taking out your quill pen and your parchment and, you know, summoning a carrier <laughs> pigeon or whichever way we look at it. But have we lost anything by that sense of deliberation, as in having the time to, to phrase something in a certain way? Yes, I think probably the the human interaction has reduced. I mean, virtual meetings can Im- can substitute that to some extent. But one of the things I've noticed when I've been closing, particularly big deals, you you give the people something usually to have a look at, and this is when you're face to face. And often they they flick through what you've given them, and I quite often watch the most senior decision maker in the room and they'll flick through what I've sent them uh, or what I've given them. They pause on the last page or the last but one page where you can guess what that is, uh, the investment. And then they tend to put that down. And one of the things they then do is, is look every member of my team in the eye. And I have the luxury of being able to ask people after the meeting, what was going through your mind at that point? And the answer is really summed up by, can I trust these people to do what they say they can do? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always worked in, in a predominantly service-orientated business. So the product, the tangible product, has always been kind of part of the deal. But the, but the big thing is the service. And I see that happening more and more as companies try to differentiate by not just the products that they provide, but the services they offer. And therefore, the trust between two people uh, or between increasingly one person and many people on, on the customer side is, is even more important. And that's very difficult to build up remotely, certainly not by email, for example. Maybe by virtual meetings it can happen, but it's, but it's harder. And at the end of the day, I was taught this when I first started in sales, you know, people buy from people. Mm. And that trust element is a key element. So I think it is harder. It's also possible. I've won some very big deals without actually physically meeting some of those customers around the world by virtue of having to. Way before, you know, we had to not travel as much as we would like to. But just by using the technology, it's been possible to build up that trust level and and therefore gain uh, significant accounts. So it's about kind of bridging a credibility gap, as in that obviously if we we go to some uh, to a website for a particular company, we see certain claims, and I I personally I'm always a little bit cynical or skeptical when I when I see something saying advertorial, and I'm going, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? So I guess we need that that extra human level to to reassure and to put in context and to prove the claims that we've made. Yeah, and I think credibility is is a key step on the journey to doing business with between two people 
so and it's probably the first step if you're not credible then you're you know you're not going to go any further forward i think though to actually finalize the deal in a b2b kind of situation there has to be a level of trust uh, particularly when it's 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 a product maybe wrapped around with services then that trust level is very very important no absolutely i mean the so in order in terms of establishing that trust, and we can see that the main factor for the, the the changing world of sales is communication, but the position of the salesperson themselves within a company, does that make them sort of more or less important than, say, 10 years ago, or is it just a different role? I think it's very difficult to be as black and white as that hmm. i think it depends upon the product portfolio that the organization has if the organization has a product portfolio that is very well differentiated a uh, classic example everybody uses i guess is apple you know when apple first came out with the iphone and the and the ipad etc there was virtually nobody else in in the marketplace that could offer that very quickly though others caught up but at the time, the product was massively differentiated in, in the marketplace. So in a sense, all you needed to do was kind of communicate to people what a wonderful thing it was, and everybody was was happy. In the more B2B context, I think that was truer many years ago, that the product could almost sell itself. Yeah, that 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 there were such advantages over and above the competition that the salesperson almost needed to promote those advantages. Now, I would I describe everything as being functional. You know, I have a laptop in front of me, it's functional. I'm sure there are better on the marketplace. So what the argument is about is not the functionality, not if you like the need anymore, but more to what I would call the want. The difference between those two, well, I need a car to do my job, but I want a Lamborghini. Hmm. Now, that's an important differentiation. You can say, well, that's very emotional on your side. And, and does that connect to business? Well, yes, it does. A CEO needs profitability in their organization. What they might want is to be the best in their marketplace. And if I can latch on to that want and I can help them fulfill that want, then I'm more likely to win the business compared to somebody else. So a salesperson has kind of moved perhaps from a product specialist to more, I mean, this sounds pompous, but you know, an emotional facilitator, as in they, their job is to engage with the, the customer and provide that sort of emotional connection to the sale or it's probably always been true that both have been needed and and i think people would would argue with me if i if i went again black and white on that and said oh well, it used to be you know just product specialist i think the good people in the past have always connected on that emotional level as well what i'm saying is i think it's even more important that we're able to do that it's also one of the factors that I think has created a lot of change is the decision making on the customer side. A couple of things going on there. One is that decisions to spend money in most organizations have gone up and up and up, even 
even if that's only what you might call an approval level, you know, a nod from the CFO or a nod from the head of procurement, or they're going to get deeply involved in it. What that means is that the salesperson not only has to prove to the individual they're talking to, but they have to equip that individual with the internal arguments that will enable them to want your their solution versus others yeah and that's that's a lot harder um maybe we can access all those people but again a trainer years ago said to me we, you'll never meet everybody who has an influence on this decision if it's a big decision so you have to rely upon them being able to persuade one another now the easy way if the product is massively differentiated well it's the only one in the market boss that's why I'm choosing it or if it's the cheapest in the marketplace then that's an easy justification it's the it's the least expensive that will fulfill our requirements easy but when it gets to those grayer areas where I'm saying everything is functional you know the, the company is doing something at the moment what we're arguing about is can they do it better and can they move forward typically in most sales situations unless the product or, or the solution is so revolutionary that nobody else can actually provide it it's interesting i'm occasionally doing some some writing for um for various companies trying to in in the b2b sort of arena and i've noticed as as you've been saying this idea of you know humans buy from humans that increasingly the world of b2b is sort of borrowing a lot of the language and the techniques from B2C, as in trying to humanize products, trying to basically humanize that interaction rather than it being just a straight, oh, it's a blue website, here's a, tech, a specification sheet kind of thing. Do you see that salespeople in the B2B field borrowing any techniques from their sort of business to consumer brethren, or is that, again, simplified? Possibly more on, on the buyer side. I think, you know, when we as individual consumers go to the market these days, the first place we typically go is, is to the internet and look at what products are available, what reviews have been done, etc., etc. And this drives a different behavior on the buyer's side because a lot of their conclusions will be made before there's any interaction with the salesperson from any of the organizations they may even be considering. So the credibility that we talked about a few minutes ago almost certainly will have to be there before they'll give up some of their valuable time to meet a salesperson from from that organization. So <clears throat> I, I think it's more that side Salespeople, though, also need to have a brand in LinkedIn or in social media because the other thing that they will look at the customer is, okay, who is this individual coming to see me? What is their experience? What's their background? What, what again, what credibility do they have to be able to offer me uh, a solution in my business? Hmm. So we we keep on circling around to, to credibility, I guess. That seems to be the the core of the the the, the role. Well, it's the first step. It's the mm. first step. The, the 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 second is then to build on that credibility such that the the buyer can see the the solution and let's use that broader word, the product, services, resources, expertise, whatever it is that we're bringing, they can see that in the context of their own business 
working. So this means a move on the salesperson's part. Again, we, we, we're talking about moving away from being product specialists, but we're becoming customer specialists. As in we're trying to work out what does this person both A, need and also want, not just how do I sell them this product? Yeah, and increasingly I see our customers in, in pretty much every sector starting to describe their salespeople as account managers. Or, mm. Key account management has been around a long time, but they're, they're saying, okay, if we can't influence that first kind of piece of decision-making that customers are often making, we need to be influencing them in some other way. And the way in which we need to influence them is by demonstrating that we understand their situation. So again, a lot of the salesperson's time is now spent in the public domain, researching their customers, understanding their strategy, their business objectives, what may be the challenges they're experiencing, their market as well. Who who are their competitors? How are they impacting them? Who are their customers? How are they impacting them? And so on and so forth. So they spend a lot of time in the public domain, but you can spend all your time in the public domain and miss the point. And, and the challenge with the public domain information is that all companies put out there the information they want to put out there to sell themselves to somebody yeah be that the public be that their customers be that their employees their future employees etc etc so it, it always has a bit of a twist shall we say a bit of a, a a license to maybe exaggerate maybe you know tune it a little to, to be attractive to those particular audiences. So when we're looking at it as, a, as an account manager or as a salesperson, and, and those two terms are becoming more blurred, I think, we need to be cognizant of that. We need to be aware of it. And ultimately what matters is what matters to the individual I'm talking to. So if we think they're under a lot of pressure from a competitor, for example, but the person I'm talking to doesn't care about that doesn't see it it's not impacting them then it's not going to be a value to them to take that discussion so organizationally it may be important but that individual who needs to make a decision for me today he's not bothered or she's not bothered it sounds like one's almost kind of going into the realms of marketing to an extent in terms of persona messaging and you know finding the message that's the, the the high level kind of value and differentiator prop and things and then drilling down into now I'm talking to a CTO they don't care about you know the sort of the financial backdrop what they care about is does this work so well, yeah and, and and you would, I mean our job I I think as salespeople is to take that one step further so I may meet a CTO in one company who's very worried about this so his persona tells me you know that the marketing guys have got it completely right but I go to another company and for different reasons, the CTO has different concerns, different issues that they need to deal with. And it, it's, it's to take that persona marketing message and, and tailor it, not just to the organization, but to the individual. I think that's fascinating. Well, I think we've raised some, some interesting kind of starting questions here. And um, what I'd like to do in, in the next episode is to, to drill down further into the kind of pragmatics of of this move, this kind of blurring of the line, and this move more into account-based uh, management, and, and discuss kind of how that works you know, more in the real world. So I look forward to speaking to you again then, Dave. Thank you. 
If the topics discussed in this podcast have given you more questions, get in touch with us and we'll do our best to get you the answers.